Hello, Sky Watchers. Thanks for listening to the Royal Observatory's Look Up podcast. I'm Jake, and I'm going to highlight what to look for in the sky in March in this cosmic diary. When looking at faint objects such as stars, nebulae, the Milky Way, and other galaxies, it's important to allow your eyes to adapt to the dark so that you can achieve better night vision. Allow 15 minutes for your eyes to become sensitive in the dark, and remember not to look at your mobile phone or any other bright device when stargazing. If you're using a star app on your phone, then switch on the red night vision mode. If you've had enough of the cold winter weather, the good news is that warmer weather is on the way. Astronomically, spring in the northern hemisphere starts at the March equinox, also known as the vernal equinox. This year, the March equinox occurs on the 20th. For those living in the southern hemisphere, summer officially ends at the March equinox, and autumn begins. At an equinox, the sun will shine directly on the equator, and there will be nearly equal amounts of hours of daylight and darkness throughout the world. As for the meteorological definition for when spring begins, because the spring months in the northern hemisphere are usually the months of March, April, and May, by definition, spring begins on the first of March. Irrespective of which definition you choose to use, for those living in the northern hemisphere. We can look forward to warmer weather and longer days. During the month, try to spot the International Space Station. It's the largest artificial satellite in orbit around the Earth, and due to its giant reflective solar panels, it can be seen easily from the Earth as a bright point of light moving across the sky in a matter of minutes. Visit Spot the Station, NASA's dedicated ISS website, and enter in your location. The website will tell you when and where to spot it, and it will tell you how long the flyover will last for. If you're keen on seeing other satellites passing overhead, then head to the website heavens-above.com. Enter in your location details, and you'll see what satellites will be passing over your location. Information about the duration of the flyovers and the magnitudes of the satellites are also provided, making it easy to spot the artificial satellites in orbit around the Earth. With a new moon occurring on the second of March, this is the best time to have a look at some deep sky objects. The Beehive Cluster is one object that is ideal to look at under dark sky conditions, containing around 1,000 stars and lying around 600 light years from the Earth. This open star cluster is located in the constellation of Cancer and appears as a fuzzy spot on the sky when looked at with the naked eye. Use a pair of binoculars, and you'll see the stellar swarm that earned this cluster its name. In 2021, astronomers announced the discovery of two massive, hot exoplanets in orbit around two of its sun-like stars, named PR0201b and PR0211b. Use the dark sky conditions at the beginning of the month to look at the famous Sombrero Galaxy, located in the constellation of Virgo. This nearly edge-on spiral galaxy lies 28 million light years from the Earth. The bright central core of the galaxy is encircled by thick dust lanes, comprising the spiral structure of the galaxy, which gives it a sombrero-like appearance, hence its name. Beyond the limit of naked eye visibility, the galaxy can be spotted through a small telescope. The galaxy will be easiest to spot around midnight when it's at its highest above the southern horizon. 
but if you have an unobstructed view towards the southeastern and southern horizons, then you'll be able to spot it earlier in the evening. Different cultures around the world have given names to the full moon of each month. Most of the names used today come from the Native American culture. The full moon of March, which falls on the 18th, was called the Worm Moon by Native Americans because of the worm trails that would appear in the newly thawed ground. The full moon will be in the constellation of Virgo, and although the bright moonlight will make it more difficult to see fainter stars, you should be able to spot the brightest star of the constellation, the star Spiker. Although Spiker might appear to be a single star to the naked eye, it is in fact a binary star system, with one star much brighter than the other. The two stars are so close that they whiz around their common centre of gravity and complete an orbit every four days. The constellations of Leo, Butes and Virgo are prominent in the spring night sky. By joining the brightest stars of these constellations, we form the asterism known as the Spring Triangle. Begin with Spica in Virgo and connect it to Arcturus, the brightest star in the constellation of Butes, and then move to Regulus, the brightest star in the constellation of Leo, and then join Regulus to Spica to complete the triangle. Hidden close to the line that connects Arcturus to Regulus is the globular star cluster M53. Located around 60,000 light-years from the Earth, this cluster is home to at least half a million stars. Viewed through a small telescope, the cluster will appear oval in shape with a large bright core. With a larger telescope, you'll be able to see some of the cluster members. For those in the Southern Hemisphere, direct your gaze at the Southern Pleiades, a beautiful but often overlooked open star cluster that lies in the constellation of Carina the Keel. Best viewed through a pair of binoculars, this star cluster surrounds the blue star Theta Carini, so the cluster is sometimes called the Theta Carini Cluster. Another open star cluster that is worth a look at is NGC 3532, which can also be found in the Carina constellation. This cluster is informally known as the Wishing Well Cluster because it resembles silver coins which have been dropped into a well. Bright enough to be seen by eye, grab some binoculars and you'll be able to see some of the red giants and hot blue stars that make up this cluster. If you take any photos of the night sky, please do tweet them to us at ROG Astronomers. You may also want to check out our Night Sky Highlights blog on our website, that's rmg.co.uk. But for now, it's time for our cosmic news. Well, this is the part of the podcast where we talk through stories that have broken in astronomy in the past month. Usually we would have two stories going head to head, but as you can probably tell, this month it's just me. No Patricia and no Bryony. So we just have one story to talk about. And that is the story of NASA's Perseverance rover, which celebrated its one-year anniversary of its successful landing on Mars last month. The rover is part of NASA's Mars 2020 mission, the mission that sent the successor of the Curiosity rover on a 300 million mile journey to Mars which lasted seven months, finally touching down on the 18th of February 2021. The main goal of the mission is to study the 45 kilometre wide Jezero crater in detail to learn about its past conditions and determine whether it was once suitable for life 
and possibly to discover signs that life did indeed once exist there. Jezero is the site of a suspected ancient lake and river delta. Since water is an extremely important part of the existence of all life on Earth, it makes sense to look for signs of it, either past or present, on Mars. As it travels along its journey through the crater, Perseverance is finding and collecting rock and soil samples that may one day be brought back to Earth for further analysis. But that's not all. The mission is also testing technologies that may contribute towards future missions to Mars that will include astronauts living on the Martian surface. In the space of one Earth year, Perseverance, or Percy as I'll lovingly refer to it going forward, has stacked up a plethora of milestones on the Martian surface. Let's take a look back at some of Percy's biggest achievements so far, and then a look ahead to the future of the mission. A few quick stats to start off. More than 100,000 images have been taken and beamed back to Earth, including two selfies. Six rock samples have been collected and sealed in containers, ready to be returned to Earth whenever such an opportunity arises and more than 50 gigabytes of science data has been acquired overall. And as it turns out, Percy set a record the moment it landed, becoming the heaviest rover to ever touch down on Mars, weighing roughly one tonne. That's just over 1,000 kilograms. In the past year, Percy has driven just over 4.1 kilometres across Jezero Crater. It'll take quite a bit of time before it takes the crown for most distance travelled on Mars, that title currently belongs to NASA's Opportunity rover, which travelled 42 kilometres over the course of 14 years, before its unfortunate demise in 2018, when a dust storm covered its solar panels. Without sufficient solar energy to operate, Opportunity was retired then and there. In terms of distance travelled, Percy is also in competition with its predecessor, the Curiosity rover, which landed in Gale Crater on Mars back in 2012. Having already racked up 27 kilometres in 10 years and still on the move, it'll be a long time before Percy gets even close to that. Having said that, Percy has already achieved another distance record, the most distance driven by a Mars rover in a single day, covering almost 320 metres on the 14th of February 2022, it might not sound like much for us here on the Earth, but for a remote-controlled robot that can sometimes be over 300 million kilometres away, that is a whopping distance. And if that wasn't impressive enough, that entire drive was done using self-driving software called Autonav, allowing Percy to find its own way around rocks and obstacles. As well as driving achievements on the ground, the Mars 2020 mission has also had success in the air. That's thanks to the now-famous Ingenuity, a small robotic helicopter that travelled to Mars alongside Percy. On the 19th of April 2021, it conducted the first ever powered flight on the surface of another world. The plucky helicopter has already had over 15 successful flights. Ingenuity is paving the way for future robotic helicopters that could be used to further explore the surface of Mars. Another of the mission's firsts includes successfully converting some of Mars's carbon dioxide-rich atmosphere into oxygen. The Mars Oxygen In-Situ Resource Utilisation Experiment, or MOXIE for short, 
is a technology demonstration that uses solid oxide electrolysis to convert CO2 into oxygen. The device compresses atmospheric gases and heats them to 800 degrees Celsius, where the CO2 is then split into carbon monoxide and oxygen. The production of oxygen will be invaluable for future missions to Mars. Most obviously, it will be vital for future astronauts to have access to replenishing stocks of fresh air to breathe. But also, there will be a crucial need to produce oxygen to use as rocket propellant. Modern rockets require hundreds of thousands of gallons of liquid oxygen to fly, along with liquid hydrogen. So if we want to make return journeys to Mars on a regular basis, oxygen production is incredibly important. To finish up, I wanted to mention one of my absolute favourites of what we'll call Percy's firsts, and that is the first ever recorded audio on the surface of another planet. Percy is the first rover to ever have a microphone attached to it, and it's been recording the sounds of Mars over the past year. I would be remiss if I didn't play a short sample of The Winds of Mars, so here it is, The Winds of Mars. The winds of Mars there. And that's all for this month. Hopefully Patricia will be back next month. But until then, stay safe and keep looking up. (laughs) 